Welcome to a new episode of Craft Beer Conversations, where the beer and the conversation is always on me. There are breweries all over Oakland County, but until Jeff and Jen Smith laid down their wager and started Loaded Dice Brewery, there were none in Troy. The tap room opened mid-pandemic, but that didn't stop Jeff from making some big bets on some big flavors. It's not just the wide-ranging offerings that draw you in, they are open-sourced, putting everything from the process to the recipe out in the open for anybody to see. Plus, if you really want to mix craft beer and gambling, the Smiths have a bet for you. I went to Troy and sat in the tap room to learn more. I was looking at you guys' website. Before we go anywhere, tell me about the, the futures bet. I think that's one of the coolest things that I've seen. I know there's like a gambling theme here. We'll yeah. get to that in a second. But I, I, the concept of the <clears throat> futures bet to me is, is just fantastic. Well, I would have brought you some samples. Yeah, so it's actually a combination of ideas. So my friend uh, who actually started me on this journey, uh, Andy up at Starving Artists in Lunnington, he did something called his Barrel Share Project, which is similar to what I did. And then I combined it with a little bit of like the wine industry where you buy a barrel and then you have the rights to that barrel um, and you get it usually at a little bit of a discounted rate and it can appreciate over time. So that was my concept behind it. And what we did, I have uh, four separate beers that I brewed and I put into seven different barrels, um, right? Six, six different barrels. So there's six future bets. And uh, each person who buys a bet um, gets like a percentage of, of the beer. So we're starting it out at at least six 12 ounce bottles. And the less people who buy it, the more they get. Um, or if the yields more, which I've kind of padded it a little bit because there'll be loss. There'll be, um, you know, some of the, one barrel has a ton of Oreos in it. So I don't know what the heck that's going to happen to it. It could soak up. I don't know. Um, but that's part of the bet, right? Is that yeah. you don't know. It's like right. if we're gambling, if I knew what the cards were going to be. <clears throat> right, right. And, that, and that, was, that was kind of the hope that it would be something fun, something interactive for people to do. And um, I've been tapping them uh once a week, I tap a new barrel and I send out an email, let everybody know what it's what's going on with it. And the people who have been coming in, I've been sharing who bought like a particular barrel, just like a little one ounce pour for them. Um, it's been very well received. It actually gave us some revenue ahead of time to kind of help us through, you know, the shutdown. Farmers do this, right? Where yeah. they'll, well, they do. They'll yeah. do ahead. So if th- th- you can buy X amount of the crop, you get cash now in mm-hmm. the winter time, and then when it comes time you get a yeah. percentage of the yield, yep. right? And that, and that was kind of the thought process too. I mean, we didn't, we were planning on doing it anyway. It wasn't because of the shutdown or coronavirus or the pandemic, we did it. It was because I always thought it was a cool thing to do. Um, I know Prairie does a similar thing to where you can buy into like a group that makes their own Prairie stout with all the different adjuncts and you get that at the end, kind of similar, but um, you know, ours are smaller batches. I think my biggest barrel is 16, you know, 15 gallons. The other ones are eight, eight gallons each. So they'll turn over in a few months versus a year or two. Um, and, you know, people have been asking about it. It's great. There's people who actually want to buy and they can't. So um, are you, is, it, are you, is it out? Yeah, are you... sold out. We sold out all of them. And I think that's so, I mean, and I don't have to tell you guys this, but especially in, in communities that, are uh, 
they celebrate rarity, right? People love that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. I bet the people that have it now are even more excited because other people can have it. Yeah, it's, you know, and because we're so new, the word really didn't get out. And these were the people that have been with me um, since, like, the Kickstarter pro, uh, campaign that we did. Gosh, that was two years ago now. Um, and, uh, you know, they're Mug Club members. And there's, I think we sold 83 shares and 46 uh, unique purchases. So 46 unique buyers spread over those 83 shares. The, the brewing community is super supportive. But, like, to me, open sourcing takes it a step further. <laughs> what, what brought you to that, like, conclusion? Why was that logical for you to be like, whatever we're going to do, I'm going to put it all on the table? Well, early on as a home brewer, I would just brew clone recipes. Like, uh, one of the beers I have here is my first bet, which is my Sierra Nevada Pale Ale clone. Um, and the way I got those was from forums, from people chattering, from the, my local homebrew shop, you know. And it just wasn't, like, most beer bases aren't crafty. I mean, it, it's the base malt with you know the the hot profile that you want and water and yeast and it goes so coming from the tech industry where we have a lot of sharing of code i thought it'd be a good angle to play off of that and share my recipes i haven't really been diligent with it um i need to do a better job of really promoting my single recipes that i have out there uh but i've had uh people come in and ask me tons of questions homebrewers all the time and I'm more than happy to, to share what I've learned. That's what I was going to say. I think a lot of the conversation happens here in the in the tap room that that we start those conversations with those people that are interested. And this is stuff that we've picked up with visiting other breweries as well and just talking with the other guests. They're always interested and don't realize some of the ingredients that are used to give off the flavor profiles. Just because it's strawberry or citrus doesn't mean those fruits are necessarily in there. No, it could be the hot profile, right? Correct. So she's learning. That's exciting. <laughs> well, I, but but then so I guess the the only question I have to follow up is why? why? Yeah. Um. I, I just think it's it's important for the craft beer enthusiasts to really know what's going on. I mean, I'm at my core. I'm a I'm a craft beer enthusiast. I started out as a home brewer. Whenever we had any kind of family trip or took any family trip, we stopped at a brewery to eat to the point to where my kids, they know what brewery has food and what doesn't. Um, and as a fan of, of beer, you know, it was important to me to, to, to be able to discuss it with the brewer. And I thought it was always a great view into the brewery, the, what, the few that I was able to have the conversation with. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to Starving Artists up in Lunnington. Like, Andy's out there, and he, he's the, the owner, the brewer, the all everything there. And he has those conversations with people, and I thought it was great the first time I, I visited him, um, and that's something I wanted to kind of emulate. And being, um, again, leveraging my tech background, um, I thought it's kind of cool to, be, to have people start that conversation and be involved with the process. I think it's really helped us build the, um, our, our following base already being open with these people and having those conversations and talking to them like they're a friend sitting in your kitchen that they're interested and they're coming back because now they're knowing what questions to ask well what is this and some of them have explained how having these conversations have expanded their their palate and the beers that they're open to to trying now 
So then flip it back around. I mean, you guys seem really interested in the flow of ideas. How important is the input from the customer, right? You're talking about the things that you're telling people, the questions that you're answering. Mm-hmm. But, what about, but what about the questions that you have for the customer and the answers that they may have? Oh, okay. That's not I thought you were going to go. What did you think I was going to say? So no, I I, I was going to um, immediately. I went to where we we I try to brew one recipe a month that is kind of crowdsourced. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. So um, we've done it three times now, and I'm just working on the fourth one for February. And uh, what I do um, when I have the conversations, like one one of the mug club members, Denise, she wanted me to do a smash IPA with mosaic. And when I do things like that, I also do a dollar per pint or can or whatever, cans now, um, that goes to a charity of her choice. Um, I think it's, that's important to give back as much as we give or we get. Um, so with that conversation, you know, people started seeing that and they kept giving me ideas for beer. The next one we're going to do is a, a blonde ale with um, ladyfinger, ladyfinger cookies and coffee. And we're going to call it Luck Be a Lady. And that's from another Mug Club member, Ben. Um, we're going to give, I think, to a suicide prevention charity. Um, you know, so the, the, the back and forth is important to me. And, again, I think it, it not only fosters the community, but I think it helps, you know, people understand what we're trying to do. And we're really trying to be open. I, there, there's really no reason why. I just think it's how it should be. Um, I... I when we started conceiving this, my my tagline that I put in my head was, you know, bring um, bringing back the the feeling of homebrewing to the craft beer community, um, because I was going into too many breweries where it just felt sterile, like you didn't have that contact. It was like the same IPA I just had at that other one. Oh look, they also have a lager and they have a stout, you know, and it it kind of got sterile and kind of got boring to me to where I I think I've have uh, 50 or so beers I put out already, and I probably repeated what about half dozen recipes. Yeah. So um, I'm really big into just trying things new. And some, if I give a beer to somebody that you know, we'll start having that conversation. Like, what hops did I put in? You know, how did I do it? And as it really brings out the homebrewers and people, where they like, well, why don't you do use Simcoe instead of Mosaic or something like that? And like next time I will. And I actually did that with one of the beers um, that I have on tap now called Ader from Decatur. I released that the week of, of that we opened, and I used, um, I used Maris Otter, and it came out a little chewy. And just talking with people from there about that recipe, because they liked the idea of it being a, a double New England IPA. Um, and everything's eight, so it's 8.8%. It's 88 IBU. It's eight on the SRM eight different hop additions at eight ounces each for my one barrel batch so how hard was that to achieve all of those things across the it wasn't easy uh i had to that's code for it was really hard <laughs> well it's just it, it requires a lot of planning right um you know and to get the the hop additions right you know throughout and i i may have fudged a little bit here and there it may not be perfectly all eights but it's pretty close so especially with this next batch from that this next batch i changed up um because everybody, the people who had it, because I think I used um, a pretty standard like Galaxy Hops, you know, something that is in every IPA out there now. And 
I wanted to try cashmere based off of what someone you know recommended. So I got some cashmere hops and threw it in there. With all the gambling lingo, y'all are making some exotic bets, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, these beers are are different. I mean, tell me tell me about the mindset when approaching a brew. Because you were talking earlier about how you go from one place to the other, and sometimes, oftentimes, you end up with something that was pretty similar to when you were sitting down before as a hazy New England, right? Right. Um, I, I think that's attributed to my ADD. Like, I, I really... I was hitting my head earlier just saying focus because I was trying to plan out the next few batches and how that, you know, logistically works. Um, but when I go, when I approach a beer, I have to look at what beers I have already fermenting and ready to go and try to figure out what, what am I missing? What gap? Because when I first opened, I opened up with a bunch of IPAs just because they're quicker to turn around. I know everybody will like them. Um, and I didn't really care for that because you had the people that, you know, came in like, Oh, all you have is IPAs. Do you have a stout? Do you have this, that, that? So I try to get a variety, and that really dictates what it is I brew. Um, some beers, obviously, you know, take longer than others. Some are quick turnarounds. Uh, and I really approach recipes a little bit like um, a plate of food, where I, I want flavors to come at you in waves. I don't want you to just get hit and pounded with, with hops. I want you to you know, taste them all. I want you to taste the hops that I want you to taste. But I have a little bit of a culinary background that allows me to kind of be able to think of it in that way. You know, I was my, my goal always is to is to be a little more professional than that. As I knock everything over, yeah, no. Um, my, my goal always is to is to bounce around, right? I, I like to cover the the area in in Metro Detroit, and I was wondering if there was like a craft beer vacuum in Troy because like. Right here in this spot, there's not a whole lot going on. The right. further south you go, obviously things start to change a little bit, and they change a lot. But this area right here, there's not a whole lot going on well, we that's, have, that's we, like this. We have Granite City. <laughs> Correct. Which I'm aware of. Um, we won't go any further than yeah. that. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but so Big Beaver basically is, if you like high-end chain restaurants. Yes, exactly. Everything you could, everything that you can think right. of is it's going there. to be there. But that's not at all what this, that's exactly, Granite City is exactly my point, is yeah. that that's, that's, that's it. Right. right. So when we started, we didn't know that Black Lotus was closing either. And that, that actually, I think, helped us a lot because there was that vacuum here. Um, a lot of people don't want to go down to Royal Oak and Ferndale from Troy. We were actually looking to go north, um, office, up for past on the other side of Auburn Hills. Um, the whole concept at that time was, as people were going up and down for up north, um, we would kind of be on their way. And we we had relationships with uh, you know our Ludington friends, uh, North Channel up in Manistee, and then um, my another one in Snowbelt in Gaylord and the thinking was that we would be working back and forth you know perhaps I would have some taps of those places in my room and they would have taps of mine so whenever they would travel they would go oh Loaded Dice is in Troy I live right by there and vice versa I'm going up to Gaylord I had get you know that's actually a really good idea uh yeah it didn't turn out um but that was the original thought plan but when I wasn't even thinking of Troy we live in Troy our kids go to school in Troy um I work in Troy. 
Uh, and Troy wasn't on the radar because we thought and heard that they were so difficult to deal with as far as starting a new business that wasn't corporate America, wasn't, you know, PF Chang's or whatever. Um, so when I, it, I actually emailed the business developer or the de- development manager, um, and just on a lark one day, I'm like, I don't know if this could happen. I want to open up a really small brewery thinking Troy, cause you know, we live and work here. Um, our kids are, you know, we're fixated in the community. Can I come in and talk to you guys about what I want to do? And having, again, we both have ad backgrounds too. You know, I developed this big pitch. I had it on my laptop. I was going to like, boom, kill it. Um, I walk in, the city planner comes in, the business uh, economic developer managing manager came, comes in, um, and I'm slowly open up my laptop and the city planner rolls out the map of the city. He's like, you want to open up a brewery? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, you can put it here, here, or here. This wouldn't be bad, but that's too close to Big Beaver. And he's like circling all these places. And I'm like, okay, do you want to hear what I want to do? He's like, no, no, you're good. We just got to find out where you can go. And I'm like, oh, that's easy. And Troy was really, I don't want to say difficult to deal with, with like the planning and uh, getting the plans approved. They were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Were they really perfect thorough um which actually was a benefit because once we got everything approved if we could just go with the build out and the inspections were super easy like they literally just went in and go yeah looks like the plans green sticker you know we had like one small hiccup over the uh some of the electrical work just because we didn't have plugs by the door in the ceiling so we had to throw those up and that was really it um I forgot what the original question was, but... How we ended up here in Troy. Yeah. So a lot of it was we got lucky. Everybody always asks us that question. Well, how was working with Troy? Troy was actually really great, but we started the conversation very early with them and had them involved from the beginning. So um, overall, think, it went smooth. I would think places, cities, municipalities, they want this, right? I was... Right, um, that's exactly. This was like a year ago before... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but I was at Cadillac Straits mm-hmm. in Madison Heights, and the folks in Madison Heights were like cartwheels up and down yeah. the city building right. because a brewery was coming to Madison Heights. It it's become a marker. By the way, those guys are great. They are, and and I and cause, well, you, especially you talk about uh, being a home brewer, right? They've got that right. whole yeah. other side, side. to yeah. what they're doing. But I would think that I, I know that certain whether it's zoning or planning or whatever, um, but that. That places that, especially that have a, a a a vacuum, a need would want you guys to be here, right? Yeah. Well, I think they have the same problem, like outreaching to those startup businesses as startup businesses do, talking to those correct officials. And we got lucky mm. and got in front of the right people to really understand what they wanted, and that was it. They wanted a small business, small brewery like us, and not the chain stuff that's all going up uh, on Big Beaver. Yeah. They. They recognized early on in that conversation that they don't really have a organic downtown. They're trying to, but it keeps getting shot down by one reason or another. Um, they they saw you know my little idea as an opportunity. We weren't really talking about put, putting me into like a small strip mall off of Rochester. Um, we were actually looking down at some of the industrial areas, but those spaces were way too big. Like we're talking twenty, thirty thousand square feet, which I didn't have any idea how I would even afford. Um, so uh, we're we're tr- we're in here right now, and the goal is to move into something 
larger in a space that actually could be like a walkable area eventually. I mean, already in this strip mall, we, we have a tattoo parlor now, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> he just opened up a couple couple weeks ago, and he actually, we've been giving business back and forth. I have, we have a lot of organic growth in here. Um, I'm actually, that's one of the biggest surprises. Like we see a lot of residents who walk their dogs here and sit outside. And there's a small group that a couple weeks ago went down to the tattoo parlor, got nose studs. And then the, <laughs> then the week later they got tattoos. And that's actually happened a couple times. And he actually, the tattoo parlor guy, guy, that's like the worst thing, the tattoo, the owner <laughs> actually sends people down here as they're waiting. And they're like, oh, I hear I can get a beer. I'm like, yeah. They go, can I take it to go? I'm like, well, that's why they're in cans. So yeah, I don't care where you drink it once you leave. Right. So it's actually been kind of cool to see both of us kind of benefit with that kind of small business entrepreneur, you know, spirit that we're trying to create here. So I, and I have, I have to ask, I'm sure it's something that you've answered a million times, but like, where did the motif come from? I mean, obviously <laughs> there's a pretty strong theme that runs throughout the brewery and it's not just like in, in, uh, in clever names, like it's, it's a mentality, right? I mean, again, the, the beers that you're making are gambles. The, yeah, it, it comes, in a good way. It, it, it all starts from, again, our advertising marketing background. We are true believers in building, building a brand. So we knew once we decided on a name, which way to, that we had to run with it and it had to be something that we could go multiple layers with. Um, and so I'm really excited with, with where we've gone with that. The overall premise comes from Jeff has a, a, a fondness of gambling. Um, <laughs> whether it be poker or table games or, or whatever we've spent many a nights um at casinos um you know um having home poker games or whatever it may be so it's something that that we can tie to and offered many different branches for us to to build on yeah, I'm surprised you said motif because I don't think <laughs> we have one. <laughs> well, uh, but, it, but you do, though. It just, it's, I mean, I, I didn't come in expecting there to be, like, green velvet on the floor. Like, right. I mean, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't hate it. I, I, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah, I think we didn't it, want to go that far. Right. Yeah. We, yeah, we, exactly, because I, I did bounce that off the idea of putting felt on the walls. Oh, no, I was kidding. Yeah, no, <laughs> I was serious. No, he, <laughs> yeah, I shot that one. I was like, no, no, no. I like to kind of joke, say we you know, have unfinished uh, shitty shabby cheek, I think is what I say, because a lot of the stuff was out of budget and necessity. Like, we wanted to really do the floors well, but we ran out of time and money, and this was a CrossFit gym before us, and they had the rubber mats uh, stuck glued to the floors. So we had to rip all that up, burn them all off, essentially, all the adhesive off, and scrape it. And by, by the time we got all that done and built out, we didn't have enough time really to cure and do the floors, so we just put um, a roll-on glaze over it. And it actually, with the sand marks and everything, I think it looks kind of cool. And the paneling on the walls is just four-by-eight panels. Um, and that was a really cost-effective alternative to doing something that was probably five times as much money. Um, so being that we are self-funded and, you know, we approach everything kind of from a lean um, perspective, like we, we were trying to go at it as low budget as possible, but, it, you know, provide at least a comforting, warming experience. And by, my bar top kick at, kicks ass, I think, so... <laughs> One of my good friends made that. He actually ripped uh, two by four planks in half and glued them all together and 
drove it here and we threw threw it up and I think that that looks really really good. I think it's the centerpiece of the bar. So you mentioned and we'll end it here. You you mentioned already thinking about a different space or multiple spaces like where do you go from here like it's because when people expand they don't expand because i want more space it is that but there's a reason they want more spaces because they want to do more things they they want to be able to expand in 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 more ways than one and so i wonder for you the goal is expansion but what is expansion what would it give you I'm laughing because it depends on the day. Yeah. <laughs> I change this frequently. So, well, it's today. So Yeah, so today it's all about um, being a little bit more versatile with having equipment that's large enough so I don't have to brew every other day. Like that's that's going to be the main goal to getting out, to expanding. I can only go so big in this space, not just from size constraint. It's also a limitation of the HVAC. Like I, I can't go larger than two barrels in here because I do, just don't have things set up, and I'm not willing to make a, that significant of an investment in a place that I'm leasing, or can only hold hold at its best when we're open at 100% 70 people. Which you said before, which I think is something I should touch on before we do part is you don't know, you don't know what full output is like. Yeah, I have no clue because we we we've been open in during the shutdown. What is, <laughs> what does that feel like? Where you know a lot of people, even if you've just opened. A lot of times, the day you open, you you immediately feel like what full output looks like because people yeah. are excited. There's a line. You get tested. But well, we had that, <laughs> but but not that was scary, right? But but I guess I, I wonder though what it's how it feels to be to never have known the capacity and have been open as long as you have been. Well, I appreciate the amount of anxiety that you just caused me. Yeah, um, that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it it's actually kind of exciting. Um, I think, you know, our good days right now are when we have about 20 tickets, you know, and that's really low. Like, that's nothing. Um, And I think it's it's given us, you know, it's it's taught us how to be frugal and do things on on like a, a low scale. And the fact that we'd be actually be able to blow it out in a way to where we have full capacity and open, you know, right now it's just her and I, and we have my sister who comes in and helps uh, on days that we're open. And we have, uh, like, one other friend that comes in and helps. Uh, we haven't been able to hire a staff. So there's actually probably going to be a few phases of expansion. I'm using air quotes in a podcast, which is probably the best thing in the world. But to now do. you've said it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, so now everybody sees me, right. sees it in their head. Um, so, you know, it, it – We'll be expanding hours. We'll be expanding our staff to accommodate those hours. Um, and then expansion probably out of this space um, because we just, we're just we going to outgrow it. And to me, I'm excited for that. We came into this with the idea that we would be here three to five years in this space, um, full intention of getting bigger. And I don't – I've always said I didn't want to be – I mean, I don't – don't want to be bells i don't want to be i I can't imagine being bells like i don't even want to be gosh i mean who's just started kind of distributing like ascension in that like witches hat yeah i can't imagine even being them um and i didn't get into it to get into into party stores i got into into it because i enjoy making beer and i enjoy meeting people like these last two months when we couldn't have people in here it killed us i think we both said it that just talking to people we miss and the last couple of weeks, it's been great to have people back in. Um, and at the same time, it's 
it's you know you have your stressfuls of you know stress moments of like how are we going to serve these people you know are, are we going to get enough people in today to to you know be open next week in a way not that we're you know hurting but you know it's things that are constantly on your mind that was my conversation with jen and jeff smith from loaded dice brewery make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss anything across the metro detroit craft beer landscape and beyond Plus, you can always follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Zach E. Clark, that's Zach with an H, on Instagram at The Brew Man Chew, and TikTok at Brew Man Chew to see what I'm up to. 